Like I want to be a speaker that motivates others, that empowers them, that brings them hope and um, helps them take those first steps to, you know, becoming more than they than they ever thought they could be. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Strengths. Signature strengths, particularly. We have spent a lot of time on the podcast discussing this idea of strengths. Finding them, appreciating them, talking about them in job interviews, using your strengths to find your ideal role. What we don't talk about as much are weaknesses. We know that people are generally more fulfilled at work when they spend more time focusing on their strengths and less on weaknesses. That's what makes the story of Ross Loofborough so fascinating. You're going to meet Ross in just a second. Ross didn't avoid his weakness. Instead, he turned his greatest weakness into his greatest strength. Energy, like, dude, you're the energy <laughs> guy. <laughs> and that is the, that's the word. And it's, it's by far the thing that people have said the most about me um, in such a positive way. Ross has ADHD, and throughout his life, he's always thought of it as a weakness until he realized he was thinking about it completely backwards. This is a pretty unique story from the HTYC library. I want you to listen to how Ross completely reversed the way he saw himself and the world saw him. Instead of focusing on weaknesses, focus on something else that we haven't spent a lot of time on, which we call anti-strengths or the shadow side of your strengths. Listen for it as Ross tells a story later on in the episode. But first, here's Ross sharing a little bit about where his career started and what led up to what he's doing now. I started my career at Apple. How that happened? Well, my parents basically said, you better get a job. And all the goals and the things that I thought was going to happen when I graduated college didn't, ended up moving in with my grandparents, which was very uncool in my mind, and uh, started saving money, started trying to buy a ring and get married. And I fell into a job at the Apple store. A friend of mine worked there and someone I really respected, had amazing things to say about it. Yeah. And five interviews later for a part-time retail specialist role, and I was in, and that was that was over nine years ago today. Yeah. So what, I'm curious what you said. You know, some of the things that you thought would happen didn't as you came out of school, and then that led to moving in your with your grandma, which uh, you thought was uncool. Maybe some people do. Uh, <laughs> I my grandma was pretty cool, but I don't know that I would have wanted to live with her necessarily. So kudos to you. But what were some of those things that you thought would happen that didn't in that way? Yeah. So when I, when I graduated, I mean, everyone talks about in their senior year, you know, what are you going to do when you graduate? Yeah. And you know, if, if you're, if you really are having things and you got your life in order, you know, exactly the job you're going to have when you step out of that school. And so I had lined up what I thought was a great opportunity as an admissions counselor mm-hmm. at my school. And I'd been, I'd been a tour guide all four years, loved doing that. I just felt pretty confident that it was going to happen. 
because I knew everybody in the office and I was ultimately told, hey, Ross, after an extensive inter- interview process, hey, Ross, if we had one more spot, it would go to you. I'm uh-huh. so sorry. So that that blew up my world. And I thought I was going to be able to live with my friends in Santa Barbara after I graduated. And I had to move home, moved home and moved in with my grandparents who are who are awesome. But I never dreamed I would yeah. live with them. Yes, <laughs> totally. So, yeah, that's the plan I had that completely crumbled in front of me. And it was an ultimate low at that moment where I, I was like, what am I doing? What happened from there then? You got you you ended up working at the Apple store. Five interviews, yeah. five interviews into it, and boom, you got your, right. your part-time uh, role. And what, that's right. What happened so at I, that point? So I start, yeah. So I started at the store. It ended up being the last mini Apple store in the entire world, is the store that I started at. Really? This store, people can't even conceptualize how small it was. It was the size of a shoebox, honestly. <laughs> It was, it was a little crazy. It felt like a submarine at times. So I started there and I thought, man, I'm here for maybe three to six months, get a little work experience, slap it on my resume and I'm out of here. I'm going to go get a big boy job for, I have a college degree. Well, I loved it. And I started getting so much affirmation really quickly. Like, Hey man, how are you so good at this? Like, where did you learn how to do that? Like, how do you talk to people like that? Man, the way you just described the iPad was like so cool and fresh. Like I never thought of describing it that way. Yeah. And I, I I can't remember a time in my life where I was receiving so much affirmation for just being me. And I thought, gosh, this is kind of fun. So I stuck with it and I basically went from part-time role into a full-time role. And then I became one of the first uh, experts when Apple rolled out that role to their stores. And then within about two years, I became a manager which was really rare at the time. Um, You know, people don't even realize that in 2009, you know what the percentage chance was that you got a job at Apple? Any role, part-time retail specialist, you name it. Guess what the percentage chance was? 80%, 40%, and this is before iPad and before watch. Mm. Oh my goodness. I would say like 20%. 30%, 2%, 2%, 2%, 2%, in and so I got in and yeah. I was loving it. And so I became a manager, which was really rare at the time to be promoted from within to that role. Okay. And then ultimately have worked now at five different Apple stores in the Bay area. Yeah. Have worked alongside hundreds of different people have had a plethora of different coworkers. And now I'm a manager at the Monterey location. So yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a ride for sure. So here's what I'm curious about then. You got into Apple, realized very quickly that, Hey, there's, there are some of these things that people are appreciating about me, obviously latched onto those and doubled. It sounds like doubled down in some of those areas started realizing that, Hey, this is, I'm, I'm enjoying getting this feedback. I'm enjoying getting this affirmation. I'm enjoying actually doing these things that are, that are getting there and then dive further into it. Clearly that was rewarded as well, which I think is super cool, by the way, leaning into some of those areas that you are already loving and already adding value to the world. I mean, that's obviously something we spend a lot of time talking about here. Yeah. So you were able to do that there, but also somewhere along the way, I know that you became interested in doing additional things too. And 
And, Absolutely. you know, I, I alluded to this at the very beginning. I know that you've experienced ADHD and I know that somewhere along the way you decided you were interested in integrating a speaking component into your career too. So how did, how did that come to be? Yeah. What was, what caused you to begin even thinking about that way back when, and then later to start doing it? Yeah, it all started a few years ago. I was at this point in my journey at Apple. I'd been a manager for quite a while. At, yeah. at that time, had held a bunch of different roles as a manager. You know, managers will oversee different areas of the store. So I'd done that for quite some time. And, you know, I was just, I was kind of getting this itch like, man, I'm a millennial and I don't feel like one because I've been at the same company for so long. I haven't resisted moving but so many people my age are jumping from company to company. So I was I was getting a little restless, kind of wondering, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I becoming stagnant? I don't want to be stagnant. Am I really a millennial? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've always been called an old, old soul. And I'm like, you know. Gosh, <laughs> I get that too. Totally I'm... understand. Also <laughs> right. a millennial, just barely. <laughs> so I, I hit this point. You could call it a career mayday moment, a career staller in, yeah. the, in the biggest way. Yeah. For the first time in my career, I had coworkers and I had people that I reported to sharing with me, you know what, Ross, like, I don't know if you really have what it takes to continue being a successful leader here at Apple any longer. Yeah. And dumping like a lot of negative uh, feedback on me. And more than I had than I'd ever seen, this was this caught me totally by surprise. I felt like I got hit by a truck. Yeah. And I started spiraling, which we can do with ADHD. I thought, what's plan B? I don't have plan C. All, all I've done is Apple. Like, what in the world am I going to do if I'm not here? Well, that is when I decided, you know what, Ross? You can't keep ignoring your ADHD. Because when I graduated college, I said, forget this. I'm never thinking about my ADHD again. It has been a nightmare for me worrying about school and the ADHD made it worse. I'm going to go live my life, see how I do. Well, it worked out up to that point, pretending it wasn't there, didn't talk about it, never let other people know. And then this moment occurred where, holy smokes, I absolutely felt like I could lose my job if I don't pivot quickly in a different direction. Yeah. So I got the help I, I needed. I started looking for a clinic, a place where I could really start to harness and understand my ADHD brain. Because really at that time, I didn't. Yeah. And that's where I found my first ADHD coach. Worked with an ADHD coach week over week for a year. And no, it was not cheap. It was a significant investment in myself. Yeah. And that that was the start of unlocking the new ways that I view ADHD. And then ultimately, that's what led me to happen to your career. And that's what led me to working with you guys as I continue to ask those questions of, where can I add more value to the world? Yeah. Apple, Apple has blessed me with understanding here is where I can, here are my gifts, here are my strengths, but what else can I do with those things? So there's so much there. And just a little bit of backstory. I am very high on the ADD spectrum, kind of middle as far as when you're looking at it, if you're looking at it on a spectrum, kind of middle to high uh, on the what many people will consider the ADHD spectrum. And I yeah. have- uh, three children that all fall into various different ranges of that too. So this is very much my world in a lot of different ways. So that's part of the reason why it's near and dear to to my heart. And what I'm curious about first, 
because I am really, really interested in some of the things that you have since done with that. But I'm curious, where did you recognize? Was this when you were a kid? Where did you recognize that it created some of these differences for you in one way or another? Yeah, it was when I was in second grade. Second grade was kind of the culmination moment. I had noticed for quite a while that yeah. people were were laughing at me and ridiculing me when I would raise my hand and ask a question in class. Yeah. I would be paying attention. I would be focusing as hard as I could, but I'd ask these questions and everyone would giggle and laugh. And as a second grader, you feel horrible. Like the, You know, yeah. they're not laughing with you. They're laughing at you. And the world is over so after me, that too. <laughs> the yes. world is over. Exactly. Yeah. Life is ending. And my mom, who is an angel, I don't know if I would be here today without her, to be honest. Um, she She helped me identify and figure out that I had an auditory processing deficit. And what that means is, is that I can be listening as hard as I want, but things that come in to my brain, certain things sometimes just don't compute. They get left out. So I can be, you know, comprehending everything you're saying, but then I don't even realize that 30 seconds or two minutes or a big chunk of what you were sharing, I, I do not remember. And I can't recall. And so that's why I would ask these questions. So that was a big unlock moment. It was like, okay, this is happening. And then we also found out that I had ADHD. It was, it was a, a double whammy. Wow. Yeah. So recognized it way back in second grade. Uh, fortunately, you had your mom there to help you begin to make sense of this in some way and start moving yeah. down that, down that path. And, you know, eventually started having this show back up all the way later, you know, fast forward, what, eight, 10 years fully into your career, actually, after you got out of school. And then yeah. um, now for the first time, you're having to reconcile with it again. And yeah. it sounded like that caused you to get some help and get some guidance on how to look at this thing and, and utilize it differently. And yeah. we got the pleasure of working with you through as you were yeah. seeking out that out too. What what yeah. point did you start realizing that I can take this thing and really help un other people understand and begin to understand through speaking and engaging other people in different ways to help them look at it as more of a gift than anything else? Where did that enter for you? Where did you first start thinking about that? Well, I think you really got to go back to happen to your careers, career change bootcamp. Yeah. The webcast and call that you guys offer. I had, I stumbled on your podcast, um, you know, around, around this time I'd found it and I'd never found anything quite like it. I'm like, man, this is exactly what I need to be listening to. Like, where can I pivot? How can I find something that's, that fits me more? Yeah. And now um, you're on it just <laughs> like a year later or so. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately I had seen that, that boot camp, and I'd be like, Oh, like I don't have time. I don't have time. And it finally came up again on my radar. And I thought, I'm going to do this. And I did that. And that was when I met for the first time, you know, uh, in that environment, you know, Lisa, I got to hear more from you and ultimately started, started working with, with Lisa after my ADHD coach. And what was really interesting is my, my ADHD coach had, he started to prime, you know, my thinking of, he, he had said, you know, have you ever thought of doing like, you know, like video stuff, like, you know, you're so animated, like that, that could be something that you really enjoy doing and can resonate with people. And he started to plant seeds. Yeah. But in working with Lisa, she was the first person ever to validate my crazy dream. And that was 
she said, Ross, what do you really want to do? <laughs> and I said, I want to be a speaker. Like, I want to be a speaker that motivates others, that empowers them, that brings them hope and um, helps them take those first steps to, you know, becoming more than they, than they ever thought they could be. And she immediately said, yes, like, yes. Like, and we had only talked on the phone for about 30 minutes, but I, I already trusted her enough. And for her to say, Ross, you can totally do that. That was a massive unlock. And then it was figuring out, okay, great. I want to do this, but who am I to speak on anything? Like, what am I going to speak about? I'm not an expert on anything. And that was when I ultimately started to dig down deep through those sessions with Lisa, uncovering one of my biggest differentiators is the fact that I do have ADHD yeah. and that I have you know, seen both sides of it. Yes. I've seen the ugly and I've also seen the good. And what can I do with this? And that led to getting in to really that focus around mental health and specifically an ADHD brain. That's amazing. And the thing I love about your story and what Lisa shared with me, and I told you she'd shared some tidbits along the way too. You didn't know it, but yeah. uh, she was she was like, Ross, <laughs> he's this awesome guy. You got like some point along the way, you got to meet him. And, you know, one of the things that I was really impressed with that she had shared is it was relatively short period of time that you started acting on this dream too. It wasn't like, hey, okay, let's talk about this. And then five years later, you know, maybe someday kind of we'll start doing this. <laughs> but to the point where even as you and I got on this call got to be able to record this interview this morning, you had just come off of a speaking engagement. Was it yesterday? Is that what you said? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And I would love if you would share a little bit about that and what you got to go speak and how that how that turned out. Because I think it's you use the word humbling, but I really think that that's true. So set the stage for us. How did this happen in the first place? What led up to this in a speaking engagement and who were the kids and what did you get to talk about to them about what came out of it? Yeah, it was to a, a couple schools over in Palo Alto, Yeah, uh, private schools that you know really focus on supporting kids with learning and attention challenges and differences. The schools are right over the hill and ultimately it was a connection that I made at a conference I spoke at last spring. Yeah. So last spring was my breaking out moment. It was the first time I ever talked about ADHD being a superpower and the advantages and the gifts. And uh, so this was a continued connection from that. Yeah. And ultimately, yeah, I, I walked in there. I didn't know any of the kids. The first group was seventh to 10th graders, and then about 30 of them or so. And then the second group, pretty much immediately after, was a group of about fifth to eighth graders, about another 30 or so kids. And yeah, I mean, you know, they're kids and some of them are, they're dealing with their own challenges. And so you're there sharing, you know, my message and I'm questioning myself the whole time thinking, is this even resonating with, with this guy over here? I mean, this little girl over here, it seems like she's really feeling what I'm sharing, but I don't know. And I was just filled with all kinds of doubt and thinking, man, this was a train wreck. This was, this was all horrible. And I came to discover afterwards that it actually went really well. A lot yeah. of the teachers had shared with me that 
the kids loved you and they, they want you to come back. Like, you're welcome back anytime. You should come back and ride bikes. We go on morning bike rides. <laughs> and I had kids coming up to me afterwards in tears, just sharing. I mean, you know, fifth grade kids, seventh grade kids sharing, hey, like, I want to tell you my story. And, you know, they don't say that. They just dive into it, telling you about how hard their go at life has been. And how now they're at this school that really understands them. Things are so much better. That's amazing. And man, those are the moments that fill my bucket. It makes me feel this, this monumental sense of purpose. And like, wow, this is partly what I'm designed to do. I want to do more of that, helping people in that way. That is amazing on so many different levels. And I love, um, (laughs) I love talking about those moments where you, or anybody for that matter, where you get a taste of that and you realize I have to, like, I have to do this more like in one way or another. And yeah, uh, I've, I've had many of those over the course of the last 10 years and know exactly what you're talking about for the first time I went and spoke on, on careers to shoot actually just uh, this last weekend, I did a keynote. Um, and I totally understand by the way, what you're talking about when you're looking at the crowd and you're like, it seems to be resonating <laughs> with this person. This person's like taking a picture with their phone and this, yeah. that person looks so bored. Am I even connecting to them? Yeah. So I totally understand yeah. what goes through in the, like the speaker brain in that way. So it can and absolutely it's it's like amplify. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like times a hundred <laughs> at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on steroids for sure. So uh-huh. absolutely understand and appreciate that. Here's what I'm, I'm curious about then. Um, so I'm, a, I'm a, obviously a little biased for a number of reasons in terms of how I think about ADD, ADHD, and right. other types of things that the world has a tendency to look at as disabilities in one way or another. But I'm really curious yeah. for you, you know, why, why do you believe that this is such a superpower for you? Why do you believe yeah. that this can be such a superpower for other people as well? Yeah. So one of the biggest reasons is my energy. Yeah. And I always put this, this disclaimer out there that if you are listening to this and you're thinking, well, I have ADHD, but I don't have that energy factor. Yeah. It doesn't mean you don't have ADHD and you don't have a brain like that. It just means it's a spectrum like yes. you were just mentioning. And some of us fall on the end of the spectrum with the energy component. And and I <laughs> certainly do. I don't drink coffee. This is all, this is all natural. <laughs> <It's out>. all, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and, you know, as, as a kid, that's never looked at as a positive thing. It's like, hey, sit still, be quiet, pay attention, like stop, stop it. Like, you know, they, they want to control you, um, and that's that's the exact opposite. That's a nightmare for for this energy component of mine. Yeah. But when I be when I got to Apple, that's one of the key ways people describe me. I mean, I'll I'll see people now. I've been there so long that I'll run into people I haven't seen in years, and they'll say, "Hey, they don't remember my name." They'll be like, ah, "Energy, like, dude, you're the energy <laughs> guy." <laughs> and that is the that's the word, and it's it's by far the thing that people have said the most about me um, in such a positive way. And like, Hey, I really appreciate the energy that you bring, like the way that you light up a room. Like, I feel like when you're here, like it just rubs off on me and like, I'm more excited about the day. Just 
by default because of you. And so like th- that, that was definitely a specific, and I will call it a superpower of ADHD. I started to recognize, whoa, like most of the people don't, don't innately have this. And someone told me recently, I told them, yeah, I have ADHD. And, you know, these are some of the things that I uh, believe. And they looked at me and said, well, we're all jealous because of my energy. So that's, that's absolutely one of, one of the, um, the key, the key moments I started just to think, you know, there's gotta be something more to this and what, what other things could there be? Um, and you know, at Apple, I spent a lot of time as a manager, you know, um, working with my team and connecting with them on, I mean, it's one of the the reasons I still love Apple so much is because we are such a human focused, um, organization. And we we connect with our team around personal stuff that's going on, the highs, the lows, and we, you know, help them understand like, you know, their blind spots. And we remind them of their gifts and the things they're amazing at. And the the ability that I have this intuitive nature relationally to know the right thing to say and um, know at the right moment to say it. And almost describe things in a way about people that have others around me go, whoa, no one's ever described that person that way, but you just nailed it. Like, like how, how is your gut so often right? Like, I feel like it's most of the time spot on. And so again, like that intuitiveness, that gut instinct, um, my energy, like those are some of the ways that I'm like, you know, there's, there's something different about this. That's amazing. That's fantastic. And I find it so fascinating. And well, obviously, I'm very interested in this sort of thing. But the way that, you know, ADD, ADHD brains are wired, for lack of of a better explanation, yeah, allows different. I mean, it, it completely allows different types of connections when compared to the average person. And I, it's been so interesting for me to see um, myself and then my my three kids who have all completely different elements of it. Like I didn't understand just. <laughs> I didn't understand until he's really started. My wife and I really started diving into this and she's been a, uh, been a teacher and actually did a number of projects oh. on ADD and ADHD and a couple other things too, throughout college cool. way back when. And then as part of her, some continuing coursework. And so uh, at the time she didn't know she nice. was going to have three children that were going to <laughs> test this knowledge <laughs> later on for her. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but it's been really interesting to see all of the different ends of the spectrum. So for example, like you mentioned, you know, yeah. that incredible energy and, and how you show up differently. And my son, my middle son, Camden, uh, we see it manifest in similar ways, but also like to the point where like people as a whole are terrible multitaskers, right? This oh. like as a whole. So this kid, Don't get me started with, on multitasking. oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. So it, it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> So it, it doesn't exist uh, and not in any ways that are really, really helpful. But I am amazed at the capacity with this, this kid and, and his brain can be, he can be like out playing sports or doing something that occupies like 100% of his physical energy and still be able to like have perfect dictation and recall of 
um, of exactly what somebody was saying over off to the side in another conversation (laughs) with all of those, with several other conversations around the side. And it's just, it blows my mind in the ways that those types of things will show up, which does not necessarily mean that that's how it shows up in everybody to your point earlier. Yeah. But it, it's fascinating how it can turn into such a gift in a variety of different ways. So I appreciate you sharing that. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. So where, where to, what's, what's next from here? Because you have, I feel that in some ways, like you are um, unlocking a really cool piece of your own journey. And I so appreciate that you uh, have allowed us to participate in a portion of the ride. And I'm just very, very thankful for that. Uh, And I know my team is as well. And Lisa too. And what, what is, what is next and what is upcoming for you? Where do you see yourself going from here? Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just getting started and, you know, I have to, have to constantly remind myself that it is a journey and it's just one step at a time. Cause one of those things that an ADHD brain is prone to do is uh, we, we have this gross misunderstanding of how much time it takes to accomplish things. And so, you know, I will, I will, have 25 different large things on my to-do list on any given day. Yeah. And so treating, treating this journey the same way, it's, it's, um, it's really important to remind myself, okay, like it's one step at a time and I'm just figuring things out right now. I'm, I know that I want to continue speaking. Um, I know that that that's an area where I can add so much value and um, really help others. I've already seen that. And, you know, I want to continue, want to continue to to share resources and, you know, these, these differing thoughts and and opinions and, and even groundbreaking research that's out there that people just are not even aware of the things that we're finding on ADHD. Like there's so much that's still unknown, but it is fascinating and it blows people's minds. Um, For, for for example, I have to share one, one of those things. So um, what, what some of the latest re, like brain research we're, we're finding with ADHD is that you could actually rename the condition, a diagnosis of boredom. It's like, wait, what do you mean? Well, ultimately what they found is that a brain with ADHD, when compared to a brain without ADHD, all of our brains have these dopamine receptors that exist in this reward region of the brain that's deep beneath the cortex. Mm -hmm. And in ADHD brain, we have vastly fewer of these dopamine receptors. So in layman's terms, like, so, so what? Well, essentially anyone with an ADHD brain is likely walking around just generally disinterested in the world. Like in most of the things around them, they're, they're just, you know, not, not most things don't light their fire. Like, a normal brain would. So that's why it's so critical for an ADHD to find the to find the thing they're passionate about. Find the thing you love doing and the thing that's right in your wheelhouse, right in your your strengths because that is the area where you're going to be able to hyperfocus in the best way, not the worst way. That's the way that you're going to be able to discover um you know kind of like I have in the last couple of years like it's the unlock moment. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is something I can do. And this is this is the place I want to stay. Um, yeah. So that's that's one piece that I've just found 
fascinating learning about. And it helps you, it helps you look at yourself um, seriously and not look at your ADHD as a joke or yeah. this thing doesn't exist, but you really start to understand, whoa, this is how I work. Okay, like let me take some steps in new directions. But to answer your question, yeah, I want to speak more. Um, I actually set a goal this last year of I was going to write my first book. And, you know, that that goal is probably not coming to fruition by the end of 2018. There are still <laughs> a know? the short period of time in 2018 <laughs> <That's>, left. <laughs> go ADHD right. brain, go. <laughs> exactly. It's one of the spinning plates that is dropping. And, um, you know, you, you can't beat yourself up. You should say, hey, that's not going to get done. But you try to do too much. And that's all right. You know, let's keep it going. So I'm definitely going to do that in the future. Um, I also want to get into coaching. That's a component. I think uh, it massively has helped me with what happened to your career. And then with my ADHD coach at the clinic that I worked with, that it it changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> massively. So I really want to get into that and see how I can, yeah, help, help others uh, learn more about themselves, self-reflect and, you know, really pivot and move in those directions that, you know, they really feel called to do. Very cool. Well, yeah. I so appreciate you taking the time and coming and sharing a portion of your story. And, you know, I said thank you again, but I really meant it for allowing us to sit a sit a front row seat along for part of the ride. And it's just been amazing to hear little updates from from Lisa and and to finally get to meet you. And uh, you know, people aren't going to be I able to, to see the, see you on here, but um, but we're chatting via video, and it's just been fantastic. So I, I very much appreciate that. And thank you. Yeah, no, thank you, Scott. I, it, it's, it's a little surreal when I obviously started out just listening to the happen to your career podcast yeah. and you know, your voice, I recognize obviously. And then to have us connecting and talking today, it was, it was a moment. It was like, is this happening? This is happening, Ross. This is happening right now. Hey, this uh, this really has been very cool, and I've had a ton of fun. And so that we can support what you're doing, and obviously, I am a huge fan of it for many different reasons. But if you are interested in having Ross come and come and speak, and want to get in touch with him, what is the best way that they can do that, Ross? Yeah. So my website is the best place to get in contact with me. And that's going to be my full name, rosslufborough.com. I know it's kind of a doozy. Uh, two O's, well, several O's and a couple more R's. So definitely check the show notes on that. But you can also just type in heroicadhd.com. And that will redirect you to my website as well, heroicadhd.com. We've found that one of the six keys to having an incredibly fulfilling career and a much more meaningful career is doing more work in your signature strengths. And in fact, we've also learned that you can even use your signature strengths as you're making a career change or as a, you're making a career transition. And we put together this pretty amazing guide to help you not only begin to be very clear on your strengths and discover your strengths, but also to use them as you're getting hired for the right job. Find out what most people miss about why strengths are so important and how strengths operate differently than what you think they do and why they are one of these six keys to doing work you love and four ways to get started immediately identifying your signature strengths. And 
You can do that by going to hiredforstrengths.com. That's hiredforstrengths.com to get started right away. Or you can text my strengths, that's M Y strengths, plural, to 44222. That's my strengths to 44222. Everyone loves a happy ending. And a lot of time on the podcast, we talk to people, they share their stories, and they come off as pretty straightforward. They were unhappy, they felt stuck, then they decided to change careers. It was challenging, but eventually they succeeded, and now they're incredibly happy. Hooray! But we've been having conversation behind the scenes for about two or three years now that there's a danger in that. And we want you to understand how it really looks from the inside when you decide to make a career change. So today we wanted to highlight a different kind of career change story. One that wasn't as simple. It's just that's the job. It wasn't, you know, there were plenty of people out there that will love that sort of moving fast pace, moving from customer to customer, but it just didn't sit well with me. That's Laura Parker. She made a big career change to get out of a role where she was unhappy, but just two years into her new role, realized she was not thriving and needed another change. The truth is that career change is a journey. You don't necessarily achieve your dream job, achieve your dream career in just one step. And even if you do, it turns out you're human. (laughs) Your life goes on. You continue to change and develop new interests. And you may find that you need to make another change. And not only is that okay, it's actually great because it means you're listening to yourself and keeping track of what you need to feel happy in your role. Laura does a great job of describing how she made a career change and then made another one. I want you to listen for that in our conversation. Later in the episode, Laura will talk about the experience of knowing when it was time to change careers after she had just changed careers. All that and plenty more next week right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios. I'm out. Adios.